Welcome to the Wilton Report, your local real estate market update with Josh Wilton, respected real estate agent, broker, consultant, and co-owner of Queenston Realty in Princeton, New Jersey. Each week on the Wilton Report, Josh Wilton takes a deep dive into the research and analysis to provide you with the insider real estate information you need to buy and sell faster and smarter. Welcome back to the Wilton Report. And today, um, we're going to talk about everybody's favorite topic because you can't really go on the internet without seeing it in front of your nose. Real estate investing. And we're going to start with the basics. Uh, we're going to cover 1031 exchange today. For those of you who own real estate property or real estate, that's an investment and you want to exchange it. And we're going to talk cap rate for potential investors um, and what you should be looking for as an investor when you're perhaps buying property. So it's going to be a real basic overview. We're going to spend a lot of time on the Wilton Report on um, investment properties because it is a hot topic. It always is a hot topic, good market or bad market. So today, like I said, 1031 exchange and cap rate. Keep it simple. Um, keep it straightforward. So here we go. So basically, a 1031 exchange is a system where the federal government allows an investor to swap one investment property for another that allows capital gains taxes to be deferred. So what does that mean? It means you can sell a property that you have as an investment, and you can buy another one and not pay taxes until much later. So you can sell property A, buy property B, and not pay taxes on the profit from property A. So um, it's named after the actual code from the IRS, which is Section 1031. And um, you hear it a lot. Investors use it a lot. Uh, it's a popular thing. The trick is you have to buy your first investment property to be able to execute on it. So we'll kind of end with what to look for when you do that. So a 1031 exchange, what is it? It's a like-kind exchange, or it's a swap of one investment property for another. Usually when you sell an investment property or you sell a stock, you're going to be subject to taxes. Um, a 1031 exchange, you don't have to pay tax at the time of the sale of the property. In fact, you're going to defer taxes until much later in the cycle, if at all, when you finally cash out and sell all your properties. So there's no limit on how frequently you can do a 1031. You can roll the game from one investment to another and another and another. And you keep the profit and you avoid paying tax until you sell for cash when you're ready to cash out of the market altogether. Some people never do. So, um, you know, it's, a, it's an unbelievable vehicle for investors to accumulate wealth and trade up. So maybe you start with a condo, right? And then you buy a duplex and then you buy a triplex and then you buy an apartment building. So it's a great way for investors to leverage equity and buy properties. So the most common question I get is, well, great, I want to sell my house and I want to buy an investment property. The problem is it doesn't work. You can't qualify for 1031 in your primary residence and the IRS will check and they will catch you and you will pay fines and penalties. I don't think there's jail time, but you don't really want to pay fines or penalties to the IRS. So what's a workaround? Move in with your mother-in-law, move in with your sister, your brother, your parents, and rent out your primary residence for at least a year. You can't live in it. You can't use the garage as storage. You can't have any personal things in it because the IRS will check. So once it becomes an investment property with, with defined rent, where you're collecting rent every month, you have an account, 
it becomes eligible for a 1031 exchange. Not a lot of people can do that, but that is the only way you take your primary residence, you make it a rental, and you um, you uh, buy up and buy another investment property. So can, if I have a second house, can I do it? Absolutely. You have to have it rented out. And there is a minimum standard for rentals um, with the federal government. It's a little bit opaque. So I'm going to say you want to think about the fact that you can't really live in your second home. It's not a weekend home. It's more an investment vehicle. You may visit it on occasion. However, you want to uh, treat it like an investment vehicle, have proven rent, have bills and receipts from uh, improvements to the property, and then you can do a 1031 exchange on a second home. If it's a home where you do not collect rent, you're not using it as an investment vehicle, it does not qualify for a 1031. So what's an example? It's pretty, pretty easy, I guess, in a way. So especially in our market. So Kim owns an apartment building that's currently worth $2 bucks, right? Double what she paid for it seven years ago. She's content until her real estate broker, that's me, tells her about a bigger condo she can buy that's getting higher rents that's on the market for 2.5. So using the 1031 exchange, Kim could, in theory, sell her apartment building, use the proceeds to help pay for the bigger replacement property without having to worry about the tax liability right away. So basically, it leaves you with extra money to keep investing in the real estate market. It is a really unique vehicle to real estate. It's a really unique vehicle to real estate investors. Most people don't understand it. Um, so I figured we talk about it today and we'll keep talking about it based on your feedback. So there's something called a delayed exchange. Uh, it's a type of 1031 exchange. It's the most common of them. So basically, um, you sell your original property, your proceeds go to a qualified intermediary. So basically, that's an escrow agent, a title agent. Uh, the transfer is essential for completion of the exchange. So basically, you have to, the, the trick with the delayed exchange is this. You sell the primary property, you have to have the replacement property within 45 days. You have to identify it, have a contract on it within 45 days, and you need to close on it within 180 days of that um, of that identification. So I have a lady here in Princeton who's selling uh, an investment property. She's actually moved to the West Coast. So she um, will sell the place here, take a contract, and then she's got 45 days to find a place on the West Coast and 180 days to take the proceeds from the East Coast to the West Coast and close. So there is a lot of timing involved in a 1031 exchange. And you know the one thing I will tell you is that you want to make sure that you're working with a realtor or a broker who has a pulse on the investment property market, if that's where you want to put your money. So this is not something where you want to um, be late because you can't be late. The IRS will uh, disqualify the transaction if you're late. A reverse exchange. So basically, you identify a property before deciding to sell a property. So you're basically, I, I'm walking down Nassau Street in Princeton. I look at that building. I say, hey, I want to buy it, right? And um, it allows me to use a qualified intermediary, which is generally a title company in New Jersey or an attorney. And um, they'll help me hold title to the new property. We'll find a buyer for the property designated for sale. So basically, you're putting uh, 
you know, the carrot before the horse. You're buying the property and then you're selling your property. On the delayed exchange, you're selling your property and then ad- identifying a new property. Either way, there is timing involved uh, with which you need to uh, adhere to the IRS uh, statutes. And then there's the simultaneous exchange, which is pretty straightforward. It's an investor finds a buyer and they basically um, swap properties, which does happen, believe it or not, uh, especially in a market such as Princeton, which is pretty dynamic. So, you know, there's different types of exchanges. The last one's an improvement exchange. It's less common. It's more complicated. Um, for the layperson, there's, there's, there's loans that allow you to borrow money that before you move into a house that may be dilapidated and fix it up. This is the same type of thing. So the basic contingents for a successful improvement exchange, the replacement property must remain substantially the same as it was before the construction. So you can't knock it down and rebuild it. You're improving it, not revamping it entirely. The work must be done within the 180 days following the sale of the relinquished property, your current property. And the replacement property must be of equal or greater value than the relinquished asset. You can't buy down in a 1031 exchange. You have to buy up. So um, those are the four types of exchange uh, that's available. So here's a great graphic for those of you looking on YouTube. And for those of you uh, not on YouTube, just look for the Wilton Report and you'll be able to see it. So basically, you sell a, a property for $2.35 million, right? And if you were to cash out, you have about an $800,000 tax liability to the government. So instead of doing that, you take 45 days, right? You have $2.35 million in net equity, and you buy a replacement property. And you use that $2.35 million to do a 20% down payment on a $9.5 million apartment building. Within 180 days, you close. So basically, you just took a $2.35 million asset, and you flipped it, and now you're controlling a $9.4 million asset. And you didn't pay taxes, which is pretty amazing when you think about it, but it allows people to uh, reinvest their equity in the real estate market and keep improving buildings, which I suppose is the function for the federal government uh, to allow it. So it's a great program for existing investors. So, you know, I'm not an existing investor, Josh. I want to start buying investment properties. What do I do? Okay. So the first thing is cap rate. Um, You have to know what your cap rate is within reason for the property that you're going to buy. And that's, you know, what is it? It's your capitalization rate. And it's a valuation. It's a measure of valuation. So basically, what's the return on your cash? What's your cash on cash return over time on the property? It's called capitalization rate. In the industry, we call it cap rate. So cap rate is very basic. You take your annual net operating income and you divide it by your current value. That gives you your cap rate. So I'll give you a couple of examples. And again, this is where you might want to tune into YouTube because I have all the data um, on the channel. So just again, check it out. It's called the Wilton Report on YouTube. So if a building is purchased for a million dollars and produces $100,000 in net operating income, right, which is the amount left over after costs, uh, fixed costs, variable costs, et cetera, so 100,000 divided by a million, that's a 10% cap rate. That is a very, 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 very high cap rate. I will tell you in Princeton, uh, you're not gonna get a building or an apartment at a 10% cap rate. You're lucky if you get it at five. 
a lot of investors want a 10% cap rate, you are not buying anything in Princeton for um, 10%. The going rate in Princeton is about 5%. So if the owner bought that building, that same building 20 years ago for $200,000, that's now worth $400,000, his cap rate right, is $100,000 divided by $400,000, it's 25%. So the existing owner has can have a huge cap rate and develop a huge cap rate over time as rental prices increase. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about increasing rental prices and the projection that rental prices this year will go up 30%. So if you think about it, right, 30% on a million bucks is a lot of money. So your, your net equity, your net proceeds in a market such as we're in will go up very quickly, which is one of the reasons a lot of money is flooding into the market, especially into the housing market, to buy investment properties. So um, that's cap rate. So as you're looking at investment properties, you want to know cap rate. It's very easy to understand. Of course, if you have questions about the market, call me, text me, 609-577-6786. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, excuse me, The Wilton Report. Check us out on Instagram at joshwilton 71 and uh, I'll see you guys next time, or you can hear me next time on The Wilton Report. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for joining us for The Wilton Report. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please share it with your friends. And be sure to subscribe to The Wilton Report on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts.